Welcome to the Art of Intention podcast with Beth and Ayla, two best friends turned creative entrepreneurs. This is a place for us to discuss everything business, friendships, and faith, and occasionally more. We're so excited for today's episode. We think you're going to love it. Stay tuned. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Art of Intention. We are officially in October as of the day we're sitting down to record this and obviously by the time it goes up and uh, I know I'm not the only one here. This is one of my favorite, favorite months, one of my favorite times of the year. A little selfishly, it is my birthday month, so that always gets me pretty excited. Uh, It's my most favorite weather and right now in our city, like the leaves are just doing their thing. The air has been cool. So it's been great. I think my entire personality returns to me when the weather cools down (laughs) and it's fall. So having a great day. Beth, how are you? I'm good. I'm great. Yeah. My day is actually just starting over here in the morning. And yeah, it's early for Bethany right now. (laughs) I love it. This is perfect though. I'm my most awake and alive in the morning. So it's perfect and most productive. Um, But yeah, and I I personally love October because it is your birthday month. That's the reason I love October. So it's true. Um, so yeah, I think it's awesome that you live in a city, by the way, that's beautiful when fall starts coming because that's so fun that as your birthday yeah. approaches, like you can see it reflected in the nature and in, in the weather and stuff. Oh, yeah. I love September because it's Beth's birthday month, which was actually oh. just like two weeks ago or like a week and a half ago. So happy belated birthday to Beth. Love it. Fun yes, fact, Beth you. is like pretty much exactly two weeks older than me. Yeah, that's true. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, great. Awesome. So jumping into today's topic, it's kind of a hefty one. And it's going to be another potentially controversial one. Uh, We've gotten really good feedback on some of these ones that we delve into where we talk about the tricky stuff. So I'm really excited to jump into today's. It is something that can be hard to talk about as Christians, but I think it's really, really important. Yeah, you guys, we really took our time thinking about this episode and we did our best to round out our thoughts on it. And we're going to just be backing up our thoughts about what the Bible says as often as we can throughout this episode. Yeah. So I'll actually introduce today's topic in just a moment. But before I do that, I've got a really exciting and kind of different community news. So we're going to hop into that real quick. Okay, guys, for today's community news, I actually just want to give a giant thank you to all of you listening. And I wanted to I took a little peek into our podcast analytics and it was really cool. It's been a couple weeks since I've looked at them and just some amazing results. So I wanted to give a big shout out to our listeners, a big thank you and go through some analytics I've seen in the past couple of days. Uh, Oh my gosh. I love that. That sounds so fun. I am here for it. Let's go. So it's now been over six months of the Art of Intention podcast with 28 episodes total. We have had 586 downloads since starting so that's people who not only are listening but are taking the time to actually like download an episode to listen to later so wow thank you so much our main group of listeners is of course in the u.s and canada but i was looking and we have had here's a little hello to the world and i'm going to go through some places that we've had some downloads so we've had three downloads in the philippines two downloads in Brazil, one download in Kenya, one in Australia, two in New Zealand, one in the Netherlands, one in the UK, one in Norway, and get this, 28 downloads in Belgium. I love that. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys. For our listener in Belgium who's listened to every single episode, thank you so much. We're happy to have you here. <laughs> and most of you like to listen on Spotify, which now has seven five-star reviews, which may sound like a small number if you're a super famous podcast but for us that's a super big deal it helps us so much it was so cool for me to see that and some of our most popular episodes to date have been how to know if you're ready for marriage should christians care about politics and apologetics our wedding stories and how to be a good second shooter Oh, yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing those analytics, Ayla. That is so fun and exciting. And hopefully you as a listener like to hear the behind the scenes and the back end of that. Um, It's so cool to hear things like that. And I'm sure you guys can guess that we just light up when we hear that people are not only listening to the show, but loving it too, loving it enough to download it. So that's amazing. We love this podcast. We really do put our heart and soul into it and we couldn't do any of it without you. Yeah, so with that, a special hello to some of our worldwide listeners. So hello to Australia, New Zealand, Kenya, the Netherlands, the UK, Norway, and Belgium. We are so happy to have you here. All right, everyone. So for today's topic, I want to talk about something that I was taught in my college days. And Beth, I'm curious if you ever heard anything like this as well. But I took an anthropology class at one point, which I will say was one of my favorite classes. I love everything world religions and world cultures. So I did really enjoy that class. But one of the things that was very pushed in that class for quite a while when discussing other cultures was this idea of There's no such thing as a bad part of another culture. They're just different. So, Mm. of course, you could imagine far off, very unreached tribes that live a very different life than what we live with very different customs. The idea is that even if it's the harsh opposite to how we live in Western society, they're not bad, just different. And to think otherwise would be ethnocentric. So, Beth, have you heard anything like that before? Mm, Yeah, certainly. Yes, of course. That was actually also a resounding topic and opinion that was preached throughout my college experience as well. Um, I noticed, especially during my years as a resident advisor, the training that we would go through, you know, periodically Mm -hmm. really talked about that and pushed that as well. So yeah, I think it's something that you hear a lot on college campuses, probably just in general. So uh, especially because they have people coming from different cultures there, you know, coming all together to, to attend the college. Yeah. And so with that, I want to quickly dive into the big word that I just said at the end there, ethnocentric. It sort of explains itself, but I grabbed a quick definition, or a couple actually. One definition says it's evaluating other people's and cultures according to the standard of one's own culture. So if somebody else doesn't do what you do, they're wrong because you don't do it, essentially. Another source words it as having or based on the idea that your own group or culture is better or more important than others. And I want to preface this entire episode by saying I do think that is a real concern and an attitude that a lot of people do have to people who are different than them when talking about different cultures. And it is something that everyone should be aware of, especially Christians and Christians who want to or who are going into the mission Mm -hmm. field. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And I I would say the idea with that would be that, and this is just a small example, but let's say someone from the Western world, North America, Europe, whatever, visits a small village in Asia and notices the food is very different and just exclaims that it's disgusting. Like instead of just, you know, saying that it's different or, you know, you've never had something like that before, just the immediate accusation that it's gross or it's wrong. That would be a version of being ethnocentric. Yeah. 
Totally. And I do believe there's a level of respect and understanding that's vital to travel and that generally you should very much accept cultures that are different from you. That's my favorite part of traveling. I love trying the new food, learning what I can of the language, mm-hmm. like learning the different customs and stuff. Like I, That's just where I thrive. I love it so much. And I understand that's not everybody's cup of tea but generally when you're approaching something new I do agree with that attitude of like they're they're different you're not better than them they're not better than you we're all just different however I want to get into some more specifics of not only what I was specifically taught in school but how Christians should absorb this idea as a whole so I'll go ahead and say it and just really set up today's episode with this there is a big difference between accepting a different culture that's just that different and accepting a culture while also accepting sin within that culture. You may hear, there's no such thing as bad, just different. And I'm here to pretty strongly disagree with that point and say, as Christians, it's just not true. And that you should not be accepting and tolerant of sinful behavior just because you're trying to respect a culture that's different from you. Sin does not just not exist in different cultures. It's present all over the world in every single person. Mm -hmm. Oh man, yeah. I definitely agree with you. That's a great point to reflect on. The two are not mutually exclusive. You can reject sin while being respectful of the people and the culture. But there's a lot to unpack here, so let's just get into it. Okay, so Ayla, let's dive into a bit more on what you said just now about nobody is bad, just different, that whole concept. Yeah, so I'll try to briefly get into some backstory because, again, I don't know if this is like a niche topic or not. Like, if I, well, you said you've heard similar to this, so I want to just like really give some backstory. So, overall, in college, I would say my worldview leaned a lot more liberal than it does now, as I have just found that my Paul, like, We actually have a whole episode on this, but aligning my politics with my face has leaned me away from that worldview. But when I was in school, that was kind of very much what it was. However, I was still really interested. I wanted to do missions. I wanted to be a missionary. That's what I wanted to do. And like I said in the beginning, I've always been fascinated and loved other cultures. So I took anthropology as an elective. I still believe it's vital for future missionaries to have the utmost respect for cultures all around the world and that learning world religions and cultures is a good idea, if not necessary. So I was really excited to get into this class and they started talking about ethnocentrism and acceptance of other cultures and I really agreed like I was so excited to be hearing this I was so excited to be hearing like yes they are just different because I had traveled up to this point I had gone to Mexico several times for missions trips Beth and I went to Germany for missions trip they're very different cultures and so it was really cool to hear that yes like there's people who are who are different there's vastly different traditions and everything and that's all it is. It's just different. And I agreed really up until a point and it was clicking and making sense. Like I said, I still stand by a lot of that. But then it, the class was very structured in a way to make you hate the own culture you came from growing up in America. So my attitude was very oh, stupid America. We're so intolerant. We're so unaccepting of other people and other cultures. I will say that argument can hold up depending on who the person is. However, this class started applying this principle to other things. And that's some of what I'm going to talk about and really acknowledge. Um, Some of what I'm about to talk about coming up here is a little graphic and it does involve children. So if that's hard for you to hear, just skip like 20 seconds. But basically it, this class went from accepting differences in, you know, food and dance and tradition and culture into really harsh differences. Um, Some of these customs are older and no longer performed, and some happen in these countries every single day. But my professor discussed child sex slaves in Thailand. 
sexual acts performed on young, and I mean young, little boys in Papua New Guinea due to a ceremony that was custom in some tribes there, murder between neighboring tribes in Native American culture, and the murder and consumption of other human beings. We learned about all of this stuff, and then we were taught we can't label any of that as bad because we're not a part of that culture. It's just different than us. And I think as Christians, that's that there's a line oh there, 100%. Yeah. Well, oh my gosh. Yeah. And I honestly, I totally forgot about those kinds of things until you shared that story. But I also remember hearing similar philosophies. Um, I don't know if they got quite as specific um, or as graphic as those, but like, for example, in my bioethics class, we ended up landing on some topics like that, where something that equated to slavery or murder would be deemed as at worst, just a gray area morally, because we can't project our moral standards on others, you know, something like that, which yikes. (laughs) Yeah, we pretty much discussed everything like that, that you and I as Christians and kind of just as people understand to not be right. And it was really interesting. The gray area. I forgot about that. Yeah, there were just all these things that were a gray area. And I, so I'll move on. Like, I wish I could say I gave it some critical thought in that moment of really, is this a gray area? Like, I understand some things, but is this really? But honestly, back then in that moment, I just absorbed everything my professor said and absolutely accepted it as truth because this is a whole other discussion of college (laughs) and everything like that. But as as a 17, 18, 19 year old, you've got a professor who's got a doctor in what they're saying. So you're like, yep, that's got to be true. And (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> not yeah. always so anyway i specifically remember what we discussed what i said about child sex slaves in thailand and how it's a part of their culture my mind really changed on this like mm. i remember listening to this in class you know I, I was always a christian throughout college but the times where i lean more left this lecture was a huge part of that because our professor talked about it's part of their culture it's actually consensual the girl chooses that line of work because it's profitable they only do it for a few years anyway it's a big um coming of age thing like you you become of a certain age that's not 18 by the way you become of a certain age you enter into that line of work and it's in order to make a lot of money very quickly to repay your family for taking care of you that's a big like you know your family took care of you and now you pay them back it's actually it like Our professor told us that it was honorable to go that direction. I don't know how many other people would back that up, but that's just what I was being taught. And it's only for a few years. And then they can continue working in whatever profession they want. And in the moment, I was like, well, that makes sense. Like, that's not a big deal. If it's their choice, if it's whatever – Uh, I encouraged it. I praised it. I fought family members about it. I was like, it's fine. Like, they're, you know, yeah, it's their life. It's their truth, whatever. And I told others like that they should do the same and just accept it. Just listen. You don't have to understand it. Just accept it. And that's the area I want to dig into today. As a Christian, growing in my faith a couple of years since then, I have come to learn that just because somebody or some place is different than me, it does not make sin less of a sin. You Ooh. as a Christian do not have to accept cultural practices of others if it does not line- align with the Bible. In fact, you should not. Oh my gosh, that is so amazing. I love how you phrase that. I don't think that could be said any better, you know, because it's this whole concept of moral relativism and that right. that concept is flawed, but it's completely at play here. Moral relativism says that moral laws are only binding for the people in which the government is in authority over. Since each culture has a different morality, no one culture can claim theirs is correct. Yeah. Under that concept, the argument could be made that the Nazis weren't wrong. And I have heard that before that they were doing what was right by them and it just maybe got a little out of hand or it was just shocking and jarring to other cultures but 
on a more modern level, you hear moral relativism expressed in phrases such as my truth, like you were saying, Ayla, or her truth, rather than the truth. The person mm-hmm. who claims that morality can change from person to person is saying that there is no objective truth. And if you're a Christian, that's going to run you into some problems with the foundation of your own faith. But we'll dive more into that in a couple of minutes. But Ayla, I love what you're saying, and I definitely agree. It kind of goes back to our episode discussing if Christians should care about politics and apologetics. We talked a little in that one about how Christians cannot have a neutral view on everything because in a lot of cases, to take the neutral position is really to take the position of sin or evil. Well, yeah. And what you're saying too about like, you know, under each government, they're operating under their culture. So we can't apply Mm -hmm. the same standards or anything. And the person who claims that morality can change from person to person, there is no truth. That's where Jesus comes in 100%. And that's where he has to come in and be that moral compass. And I, I say this a bit later, but like morality is so hard, if not impossible, without that to go off of. So with that, I wanted to take the time to dive into a few passages from the Bible that do support this argument. We always, always when talking about stuff like this, strive to do our very best to back it up with scripture. And we actually found a lot with this topic. So Mm -hmm. Beth and I are just going to tag team and get through some scripture. I highly recommend you check out the full chapters of the verses that we're pulling from, the full books if you want to. I highly recommend if this is a topic that intrigues you to take the verses we're sharing today and continue down that path because we, we could only share like a small portion of what we were finding that supported this. So I'll kick it off. Romans one twenty one. when Paul is writing to the Romans, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to them. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Yeah, and kind of going off of continuing in Romans, Romans two fourteen through 15, even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. Mm, that's a really good one for morality with God. Mm-hmm. Like right. when you're aligned with God, your morality reflects that basically. Yeah. And I think something to note about this verse that's significant is that this to me looks like it's saying that even those cultures who have not heard God's word, who have not been preached Christianity, those who are not Christian, still have the ability and kind of the innate understanding of what's right and wrong because God, his spirit has given that to them because we're made in God's image and he has, mm-hmm. you know, built that in us. So I think these cultures who live in sin and who have these evil practices don't do so because they don't know it's wrong or they've never even like considered that it's wrong. I think it's because it's easier to pursue sin and it's more convenient, it's more fun, it's more pleasurable. And when you don't have the accountability of the Bible telling you this is wrong or the accountability of others making you stop or reminding you to stop, then it's going to be easier for a culture to absorb their sin and chase after their sin. And I mean, as Christians, think about it. There's a reason church is important and all that because we would fall off the bandwagon if we didn't have that reminder and if we didn't have that push. Yeah. And I actually, I have another scripture kind of later when we talk about um, something later in the episode, but about like the grace that there is around cultures who haven't heard the gospel, but pretty much upon hearing it, then it is in their hands to repent and make a change. And like what you said after that, it's like, are you choosing sin or are you, you know, you can only be falling into it for so long before you hear about the truth. And then after that, it's kind of like a decision, but yeah, true. Um, Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. 
short and sweet. And Acts 5, 29, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than any human authority. In Isaiah 5, 20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, and who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who aren't wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Mm. All right. And of course, a favorite I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, verse 6. That's pretty straightforward right there. It says the truth. Yeah, he is the truth, the way, right? So, okay, guys, and this is kind of a point in and of itself. We actually, before hopping on this call, got overwhelmed finding scripture and evidence that supports what we were talking about, that supports our views on morality and the push to accept sin in other culture. There are so many more passages that cover all of these things. Uh, We may even share more on our socials, but I seriously encourage you guys to fully read those chapters and yeah, just stick around on our socials for us to share more because there's overwhelming evidence to support this. Yeah, I think it's important for you guys to be aware of these verses because you will encounter even other Christians who have the mindset of live and let live and being tolerant of moral views that deviate from the Bible. They like to say things like Jesus wants us to love and all we're called to do is love and use that as a justification to ignore objective truth and moral right and wrong. You are called to even call out your brothers and sisters in Christ when they show incorrect beliefs like this. It leads both them and those they influence down the path of sin and separation from God. And just a side note, you guys, love and tolerance are not the same thing. Otherwise, the Bible would have told us to be tolerant towards others where it says to love others. Mm-hmm. True love is sometimes tough love. It says things we don't want to hear, but things we need to hear because love cares about our well-being and our salvation. The live and let live and the tolerance viewpoints would let someone harm themselves if that person said they wanted to do it or needed to do it or should do it because they don't want to offend the person by telling them no or stop. Fire. Freaking <laughs> fire and absolute facts. Well, it's so true. And it's I could make a whole another episode about this, about like Christianity getting, I don't want to say soft and sound mean, but just getting like, just forgetting all these points of holding each other accountable and calling each yeah. other out. And okay, stick with me here. I'll be diving deeper into this towards the end of the episode, but I am acknowledging we're talking about other cultures here. We're talking about all these things. And just because I am recognizing sin and corruption in other cultures does not mean I just slander them online or in person. It doesn't mean I just roll up to somewhere new and point out every single thing they're doing wrong and that it's not of the Bible and that they're filthy sinners. It does not mean that I want to go in there and change everything about a culture and again, getting into some political jargon here, it doesn't come from a place of privilege or me thinking even that the color of my skin makes them a better person. Christians should 100% approach new cultures with respect and love, the kind of love that Beth talked about, but it is not our place to go and mistreat others because they're different from us. Mm. Um, When Paul's writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 5.12 into verse 13, he actually says, it's not my business to judge those who are not part of the church. God will judge them, but you must judge the people who are of the church. The scripture says you must get rid of the person doing evil among you. So it's exactly what Beth said. No, I'm not supposed to just sit here and judge every single culture or every single other person for being wrong, especially if they don't live under the gospel. However, the minute that somebody declares themselves a Christian, the minute that somebody declares all of that, you are immediately held to another standard, which he also backs up in Galatians 6, 1-2. 
brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves as you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. All this said, Jesus instructed us to go into the world and preach the gospel. With that comes the second part of that, repentance and turning away from sin. And there's a really specific way to do this. I'm very aware that the church has a dark history when it comes to missions. Actually, that was another point in that anthropology class. They had very strong opinions about missionaries and I was in there wanting to go and like be a missionary. And I actually sparked like a bit of a debate in our class about missionaries because that class fully believed that like there was only evil intentions with missions. They only wanted to strip people of culture and like whitewash them and all these things. And I didn't have as much of like a backbone and kind of the backing as I have now to defend that. And obviously that's not (laughs) what a good missionary should be going to do. And that's not what I'm here to promote at all. I'm aware that there's a dark history, but when I say missions, I mean something completely unrelated to that. We don't claim that part of history, anything like that. There's a very specific way to enter another culture, to go into the world and preach the gospel, to cause repentance and turning away from sin with no evil intentions. Right. And those who I think would listen to this and try to claim that there is no difference, that everybody has those intentions, that's just ignorant and they're purposefully not seeing the truth in that. Yeah. Okay. So let's shift, I suppose, into actually separating those things. There's a harsh difference in our opinion between a different cultural practice and then fully participating in sin. And this goes for everybody. And while we're focusing on non-Western cultures in this episode, we can't forget that God has set those standards for everyone, including us right here in North America, sin is sin, no matter where you're from. The good news, of course, is that the perfect payment of our sins was already sent and died for us. Humans are imperfect. We always will be, but we all have access to the gospel and to salvation that Jesus gave us. To receive this salvation, we know in our hearts and declare that Jesus is the son of God and died for our sins. And then we repent from our sins and do no more. That's the part that can get missed. Yeah, for sure. And I love the story when talking about this. I love the story of Jesus and the woman who was caught in adultery. Um, It's in the book of John chapter 8. It's just in the very beginning of that chapter. A woman is arrested and brought to Jesus after being caught in adultery. This is the portion where he writes in the sand and nobody really knows what he writes. But anyway, yeah, yeah, I have theories. But I want to know so bad. I wish I could know. I'm asking that when I get to heaven. I'm like, tell me. What did you write? I have a feeling. Okay. <laughs> this is a, yeah, I want to know. I, Tell me. So they say the woman was caught in adultery. I have a feeling she was caught like in the midst of it and then possibly mm-hmm. like naked and they mm-hmm. dragged her out and Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. He wouldn't have looked at her. So I have a feeling he maybe oh. wasn't writing anything. He was just looking at the ground like in the sand to look away from her. But then later he talks to her. So I don't know. But that's a theory I've heard and I think that's kind of interesting. Like he wouldn't have looked right at her. So I don't know. That's so interesting. Oh, well, maybe when he talked to her later, they'd already like wrapped her in a blanket or something. Who knows? Yeah, that's good. Um, Yeah. Anyway. I have no idea. I don't know anything. I don't know about that. But that's so interesting. I want to know though. Okay, go ahead. But anyway, so she's arrested and brought – and of course the Pharisees – want to stone her and they pretty much say like shall she be stoned because that was punishment in that time in case there's anyone who didn't grow up in the church that's exactly what it sounds like they just threw rocks at people until they died it was terrible and jesus being the legend that he is first says all right he who's never sinned can throw the first stone 
And I love that verse so much. Mm-hmm. I think it can keep so many people humble who like to get a little judgmental, like more than they should be. Yeah. Hey, whoever's without sin, throw the first stone. And when Jesus says that, do you know what happens? They all walk away one by one. Nobody does anything. Then Jesus tells the woman, he asks her, he was like, the men who arrested you, did anyone condemn you? And she says, no. And he says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Yes, sin is inevitable, but Christians each and every day should be making the choices that lead away from sin and closer to Jesus and to be striving every single day to go and sin no more. We've been shown such grace in our lives. We've all had that moment, I think, with the Lord where he says, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. And then every single day after that is taking practical steps to live that. Yes. And I think it's important to note here that we are not talking about non-Christians or maybe Christians struggling with sin and saying, oh, you're, you know, you're scum, you're a disappointment, you know, anything like that. We're actually saying what we're saying out of love because in the end, sin is what separates us from God. And it's up to us to point that out and usher people back to him again. I love the beginning part of that story where Jesus said, he who has never sinned can throw the first stone. None of us are completely blameless of sin, not even close, but then the next commandment is to do no more, to do our best to not sin. Yep. And so bringing that kind of back down to what we're talking about today, I can confidently sit here and say that I cannot write off sin as a cultural difference. I just can't do it. So let's talk about how to separate that because like I've said, I love other cultures and just immersing myself in other cultures when I travel. I've had honestly the the privilege to be a part of some really amazing people groups even for a short period of time and I've gotten to learn so much from that and there's so much richness and substance in what groups from all around the world have to offer. Am I sitting here saying this, saying that America is like the best country in the world? (laughs) No, I think there's so much we could learn if everyone took some time, got out of their home country and experienced something else. Huge advocate for that. In fact, throughout the Bible, um, it even says uh, there's, I think, I know it's for sure in Revelation and then Revelation is quoting this from either Isaiah or Ezekiel. It's one of those two. But anyway, throughout the Bible, it says that representatives from every tribe, tongue and nation will be seen in heaven. So even God knows and loves wow. every single person and culture and people group and he's got a place for them in heaven so no i'm not trying to whitewash other cultures when i talk about removing sin from them not at all in fact there's a saying that i was taught in the missions world which is you keep the good and you redeem the sin mm, oh that's interesting well can you explain a little bit more of what you mean by that Yeah. So again, um, I suppose backstory again, when I started doing missions as a student, this was when I was probably 20 turning 21, fresh out of college, very concerned about ethnocentrism and how to bring the gospel to new places without completely insulting the culture we were visiting. And I was really concerned about this. I actually spoke with a leader about it. And I I was, again, my college self. So I used a lot of language like, I don't want us to show up with white privilege. I don't want us to like blah, blah, blah. And he was a very experienced like missionary at this point. And he listened to me and he was like, you know what? That is a really good point to make. We don't want to be these white missionaries who come and tell a culture they have to change everything and that they've been doing everything wrong and like wag our fingers at them and that they don't have to change to be welcomed into the kingdom of God. That's a big one too. Every culture has qualities that God's gifted them that he loves. So for example, uh, take Papua New Guinea. I got to be there for three months in 2018. And no, I'm not claiming to just know everything about that culture from a three-month trip. This is just what I learned in that time. 
uh, take music and dance. It's a huge part of Papua New Guinean culture. There's so much music and singing all the time and dancing there in school and in church. Oh man, the church services were some of my favorite. Very mm-hmm. musical, very connected to music. Oh. Uh, in in Aboriginal culture in Australia, I learned that the Aboriginal folks there are very spiritual and connect really well with things like the Holy Spirit, prayer, spiritual gifts. Those are amazing qualities that the Lord loves and it's pleasing to him. And he, inst- I believe he instilled different things in different cultures for a reason to all serve different purposes. However, in the same villages, take Papua New Guinea again, where there's beautiful music and worship, there was also sometimes witchcraft, alcohol abuse, domestic violence problems. Um, certain drug abuse. And again, not every person, but those did exist in some of the areas we visited. And by no means were we going there saying, oh yeah, they're all doing great. Like this is great. As Christians, we had to confront some of these issues. So the approach for that with this country specifically still talking about Papua New Guinea here would be to explain these problems in church. Papua New Guinea is a very Christian nation. So it's a little bit easier to kind of bring some of these topics up in church It's a lot of like discipleship that we found was needed there. Like they understood the gospel and now it was like, how do we live that out every day? Uh It would be a very different process for a culture that had never heard the gospel. But again, similar principles can apply. So we would explain issues such as domestic abuse, explain with biblical scripture why those things are a sin and then provide tools to help them turn away from those things. Prayer, men's Bible study groups, whatever. There's only so much you can do with short-term missions, but the idea is that there's people long-term helping instill these better values. So we're not telling them they can't keep what's great about their culture, but things like abuse in their family. It was our job to come in, explain with the Bible why that was wrong, and then give them tools to turn away from it. Yeah, those are great examples. um, And I think super, super important. Um, And I would say also, in all honesty, the sin isn't always that big and flashy, but it's still just as important to kind of separate. I think it's easier to get people to acknowledge that murder or abuse or alcohol misuse is wrong, but there are still sins that are just as big in God's eyes and more subtly present in cultures. And I think especially different cultures, um, ones who are not Christian based. These are any of the things that deviate from how the Bible says we are to live. And in case you forgot, evil can be defined as anything that departs from the way things ought to be, from the way things God intended. Things that we might be tempted to call small sins in other cultures, like widespread acceptance of certain spiritual practices, like the use of crystals and, you know, like tarot cards, or a culture practicing a version of Christianity, but it's kind of warped. There are dangers in it leading to away from salvation um, or you know, some people believe that Catholicism even deviates too far from the scriptures and that it needs to be condemned and spoken out against rather than tolerated. Mm. Yeah, I I love that point too. Like it can be, it can be very small, very like unseen. That's like, oof, what you said about Catholicism well, was a whole talk. We should, yeah, we, I've we, got we, some friends <laughs> we should get on and talk about that one because I have thoughts. But anyway, okay. um, with all that to like kind of get really philosophical on you, like that's in the beginning, it brings up a lot about mora- morality, relative moralism, good versus bad, right versus wrong. In my not so humble opinion, I believe without Jesus, it's very, very hard, if not impossible, to dictate morality or right and wrong. Without Jesus, without biz- biblical principles, honestly, why bother having right and wrong? Because with Jesus and biblical principles, a lot is connected to eternity, the afterlife, and mm-hmm. what we do on earth dictates that. If you don't believe in any of that, then what's the point? Chris, Chris and I talk about this all the time. If there, if we believed there was no afterlife, there was no punishment or reward for how we lived on earth, <laughs> we would probably be doing absolutely whatever we want. Like, yeah. you know, 
so I never, never really understood like why there was so such heavy morality, kind of like without Jesus, I suppose. But in my college days, when I didn't have as much of a relationship with Jesus, I fully accepted other cultural practices. And like I said, the really intense ones, child sex slaves, things like that, things that do not align with the Bible because my morality was skewed. I wasn't, I wasn't chilling with Jesus really at that time. He and I weren't talking to each other and my morality skewed in so many other ways. And it was that whole attitude of, well, it doesn't affect me, so I don't have to worry about it. And I used to, you know, with that, I also believed, well, so long as it doesn't harm me, others or themselves, whatever they're doing is fine. But when you hear the problems of child sex work, witchcraft, human murder, and refuse to acknowledge it because it's just different, that doesn't add up. You can't say so long as it doesn't harm others and then be okay with these things that directly harm others. Like it, right. the two don't, the two can't exist at the same time. Oh, of course. Yeah, exactly. And again, the point we're driving home here, we do not want other people, groups to change everything about themselves to become followers of Jesus. But anything that does not glorify God that goes against his commandments has to be acknowledged and redeemed. Ezekiel 33, 8 through 9. I love this verse, and I think it really lays the foundation for that belief. It says, if I announce that some wicked people are sure to die and you fail to tell them to change their ways, then they will die in their sins and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. But if you warn them to repent and they don't repent, they will die in their sins, but you will have saved yourself. It doesn't get clearer than that. We have a responsibility to pursue calling these things out and you know just to inform just to plant the seed let them know Mm -hmm. you know say it with love but say it in truth and there we go yeah exactly I love that one so much and I love whenever we bring it up and again Beth I think you made a good point of you plant the seed you just tell them I think it's easy to take that verse and be like well I have to go scream at people on the street that they're sinners and things like that I've never liked that approach. I think there's a lot of other better ways to do it. But in the end, it it is up to the individual whether they choose to pursue Jesus or not. And once you've planted that seed in them, that that was your job. Everything else is between them and God after that. And like I said, too, I know I'm focusing a lot, quote unquote, foreign places here, other cultures, warm cultures, things like that. But believe me, North America, Europe, all other Western civilization countries could learn a lot from this, too. Oh my gosh, Every yeah. culture and people group has sin that is waiting to be redeemed. Have you seen the state of the U.S. and Canada right now? Oh, my gosh. We've got uh-huh. everyone's got so much work to be done here. Beth and I as individuals have so much work, like we're not claiming perfection or anything like that. But generally, I do believe it is in God's heart to keep the good. Another verse to back this up, Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, right, pure, and lovely, and whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. I love that so much. Like whatever is true, good, and holy in your life, in your culture, anything like that, God also loves all of that. And he He wants to see that flourish in your life. I believe that yeah. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Well, oh my goodness. That was definitely a deep dive into the idea of redeeming the bad and keeping the good when it comes to exploring and learning about other people groups and their cultures. I could probably talk for hours about this and practical ways to actually apply this, but as we get closer to the end of this episode, Ayla, I would love to leave our listeners with some practical ways they can apply what we've talked about. So now that we've established that there is indeed sin everywhere, how should Christians approach this, especially Christians who are interested in going into the mission field and who are going to be around other cultures? 
Yeah, I love it. So like I said in the beginning, if you're someone hoping to travel, even if you just want to travel, I I keep putting an emphasis on like missions and spreading the gospel for a reason. But even if you just want to travel and experience other places, this applies to you too. And then also if you are hoping to travel for the purpose of spreading the gospel, I'm telling you right now, there is a huge level of respect and love that you need to be carrying with you. Depending on where you go, you may be entering some places with tradition that runs deep way longer than you've been alive and it's not helpful to anyone to blatantly just show up like i said wag a finger and be like you're wrong i'm right that's where i agree there is a level of like understanding that our own culture is not the one perfect one that everybody else needs to listen to we've established that it can be a long hard journey but i believe that deep change away from sin well it has to start with salvation and a change of heart. You cannot just roll up to an unreached tribe, tell them that sexual acts with children are bad, and then leave and expect any change. In fact, you'll probably look like a crazy person. Everyone has to have the love and the conviction of Jesus first. Without that, making changes away from sin could be nearly impossible. It's kind of like that saying, um, faith without works it's, is dead. That verse, to me, has never really meant that like, oh, you don't have faith if you're not doing good things. It's actually kind of the opposite. Out of your faith, good works come. Mm-hmm. So therefore, if you're not living this lifestyle, I do question your faith. It's the same way. It starts with faith. It starts with this this waking up and this understanding of Jesus and who it is. We've seen this happen in cultures before who are unreached. And sometimes somebody shoots up awake in their bed with full understanding and comprehension of Jesus. I don't know how it happens. God does something. They wake up, they get it. They go tell others about it. Without something like that, meeting Jesus face to face and understanding him, nothing else will change. So I wouldn't bother looking into a certain people group, family, whatever. I wouldn't go to looking in whatever dirty laundry they have without the gospel first. That is the first thing. Yeah, exactly. It's truly a balance of knowing that just because a culture is different, it does not exclude sin, but approaching that with with biblical love. I kind of have one more like little quick story to kind of round that out. And actually, uh, I already had this. And then Beth, when you talked about how sin sometimes isn't always big and flashy, it's like smaller and kind of hard to find. Uh, this was another story. So again, when we were in Papua New Guinea, one of the Things in that culture, pretty much all over Papua New Guinea, and then very big in a lot of the areas we were, is the practice of chewing betel nut. Have you ever heard of that? No. Okay. So it's it's in a lot of island cultures, and then Papua New Guinea was where I saw it the most, but betel nut is like a tree nut, basically, and it's really weird the way it works. So it's you get it as a nut, and then you shell it, and there's like a little meat inside. You chew on it and it releases this effect, but you don't chew on the nut just its own. It's actually combined with a little piece of like mustard seed and then a piece of like seaweed powder. It's this really weird, just like white powder. You need all three to come together for it to work. When you chew it, it creates a chemical reaction in the mouth that turns it like bright, bright red, like bright mm-hmm. red in the mouth. And then it, uh, it's supposed to be energizing. I've heard some, I've heard convicting views on like the actual high that it gives you, but it's somewhere of a mix of like kind of an energy drink. Like people say they take it for energy, but similar effects to like cocaine, not as strung out as like cocaine. Like people chew it throughout the day, all day, every day driving. So it's not quite like that, but the addiction level and kind of the alertness and awakeness is what it's been compared to and it's highly highly addictive every single almost every single person you will meet choose it children as young as like eight chew it in some in some places 
Uh, not every single one. There was a couple occasions where we saw young children doing it. It kind of depended on the village we were in. But generally, I would safely say 95% of adults do. And that was one of the things we were like, that's normal. That's what they do. And one of our team members started to get really convicted on it. He was like, I want like, he was like, I can't just tell them that that's a good thing to do or that's normal. And we had a big team meeting. Okay, like we're all kind of feeling this way. We want to talk to, because we'd been there for a while. We had made some friends. We were like, we want to talk to some of our friends about this and tell them that we don't think that's right. But if, again, like these are our friends. We don't want to be rude to them. Like what is a good way for us to approach it? And we seriously took like days to pray about the yeah. best way to talk about this because it's deep in their culture. It's a very social thing. Usually like one person has the nuts, one person has the powder, one person has the seeds. They share. It's a very big like social thing that runs deep in the culture. So no, we weren't trying to just show up there and be like wrong. Instead, one of the guys on our team instead just prayed. Um, we did a lot of preaching there. We wrote all of our own sermons and stuff. And he decided to write a sermon about addiction and addiction in your life. And he had a, his own testimony to addiction. And he was like, I just want to preach about this. Like, I'm not going to say beetle nut. I'm not going to say whatever. I want to, he's like, I want to share my own testimony of addiction, basically. Because we also had to establish, okay, why is, why is beetle nut a problem? Is it yeah. even a problem? And yes, it came down to the problem of addiction. We were like, we want everybody to be free from that. Like, let's go from that angle. So he just shares his own testimony and versus that backup addiction, basically. Then the lady, there was a lady who was basically like a chairman of that church goes up and she shares that it was very convicting. It, it made her spirit like hurt a little bit because she felt like it applied to her. And she asked us to pray for her to quit being on that. Like, oh my goodness, wow. you know, like we didn't even tell anybody what they had to do. We preached the biblical principle, what Jesus has to say about them. And in that turn, it, and sure, it was one lady, but the hope is always that she passes that on to her children, to her friends, that she was like, I want to quit this. And then we actually had one other guy who was guiding us around, showing us around, asked to quit it too. And we know people who are still roughly in contact with him. And as far as I know, he's never picked it back up again. So it wasn't so wow. blatant as to point it all out. We were just like, here's what the Bible says about anything and let the Holy Spirit do its, do its thing, convicting them in their own hearts and then asking for prayer to turn away from it and to put it away. Uh, this wasn't my team, but there was another team actually who like prayed for someone to be saved, like salvation. You know, he accepted God got saved. And he was like, oh, okay, thank you. And then out of habit went to go like chew some beetle nut. And this team leader was very bold, but he went and he was like, you're a follower of Jesus now. You have to put that away. Right. And like, and he, that was an appropriate situation, which to do that. So all that to say, sorry, that was kind of a long story, but all that to say, there's definitely ways to approach it. And the other point I want to harp on is that we spent days praying about it. If this was even something that we should bring up and really ask God, like, how do we do this? Do we even do this? And I'd say, I can give you all the tips and tools and tricks that I want to about how to approach people respectfully. In the end, ask God. <laughs> he knows the best way. He knows way better than yeah. I do. And if you're in communion with him, if you're listening to him, he'll tell you exactly what you need to do. Like we were told that all the time. If we were unsure of how to bring up a topic in church, our leaders were like, ask God. And we were like, okay, like that's kind of scary, but he knows. So that's pretty much it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would say when in doubt, pray and it never fails to share God's word and share the gospel and God will show them their convictions and trust that God will do the work after you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for sticking with us on today's episode. I know some topics that we discuss can be hard to hear or wrap your minds around, but I think it's so important to dive into topics like this now more than ever. It's so important to take what we hear in school when talking with friends and even in the church among other believers and take it right back to the Bible 
to pray about it and to understand what God says about it and to fellowship with other believers about it and have conversations like this. Absolutely. That's a huge thing of what we want to do with this podcast. Like it's in our pillars, I guess, business, friendships, faith. We love talking business and photography and all those things. We love talking lighthearted things, stories, but a big, big part of this podcast is talking about faith, talking about what's going on today and ways we can approach it. And yeah, hopefully creating a little mini fellowship on here for anybody who who has questions like this or wants to talk about it. We've heard a review or two of these kinds of episodes that people are really liking because it's just, it's just another way to connect over this stuff. So we love to do it. We would love to hear if you love when we do it. We want to hear your thoughts on today's episode. So if you have something to add or if you have another, if this sparked another topic that you'd love for us to cover in the future, if you have any guest requests, if anything like this, if there's anything like this that you feel strongly about and would like to come on the show to talk about, all of that is open. You can reach us through email at artofintentionpodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at artofintentionpodcast. And if you haven't already, we'd love to have your five-star rating wherever you listen to this podcast. It truly helps us a lot. And we will see you again next week with another episode. Bye. Bye.